We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You don't want it. You don't need it. But you're going to get it anyway. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Here's Kevin. I'm here. Tommy's here. The podcast today presented by my good friends at MyBookie. Go to MyBookie.ag. Use my promo code KevinDC and they'll match your first deposit halfway all the way up to $1,000. So open up the account with $1,000. They'll give you $500 additional dollars to play with. Your balance will read $1,500 if you do it that way. They've got everything that you need for UFC 265 on Saturday and everything that you need for Spence versus Pacquiao coming up uh, mid-month. All of the uh, pre-season NFL stuff is out there, including, Tommy, we get the Hall of Fame game um, tonight between the Cowboys and the Steelers. I I used to get so excited the Hall of Fame game, and it had nothing to do with the game itself, and it had everything to do with just all right. We get to watch football again, and somebody tweeted out the other day. I didn't. I don't know who it was that you know. Starting with this weekend in the game tonight, we've now got football every single weekend until the Super Bowl. Um, the problem with um, that statement is that the next month of football, not the next month, but the next three weeks of football is dreadful football, um, the NFL's right. preseason. Football. Although you do get some college games, I think, the third week of August that are real. So, um, anyway, um, go to and my I, book. Isn't there, my a book Washington I, foot- isn't there a Washington football open practice tonight at the, at the stadium? Uh, isn't that tomorrow night? I thought, it was, I thought it was tonight. I don't know. I could be. Maybe I should check. <laughs> I don't want to give out wrong information. Somebody and have those fifty thousand people show up at the stadium tonight thinking it's tonight. Somebody, um, somebody sent me this. Uh, you just reminded me of it. Somebody sent it to me, and I read it this morning. Um, Dave Portnoy um, sent out the following tweet. Dave Portnoy of, of course, Barstool. When you really think about it, reporters live tweeting every play from NFL practices is one of the most ridiculous things in civilization. <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, we've been on this for years, and thank you uh, to CapsFan92 for um, giving us props for that. But yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't, I absolutely have no issue with those that are doing it because I think that there is clearly some level of audience for it's just not for me 
nothing that happens other than serious injuries or maybe a trade um, or maybe an elevation of somebody out of nowhere into the starting lineup really means anything. The NFL season's first three or four weeks, typically, you don't learn much. And those are real games. Um, I can't wait for those real games. Don't get me wrong. I enjoy those real games. But I don't know. I, I think it's the perspective of a better. I think betters, I've always said this, Tommy, I think betters have a completely different perspective. And I think one of those perspectives is none of this shit in August matters unless there's a serious injury. You know what would matter, though? Is if Deshaun Watson got traded to the Philadelphia Eagles, which the reports early this morning is that they are nearing a deal. I can't imagine how the commissioner of the NFL will allow a deal to go through between the Eagles and the Texans for Deshaun Watson without knowing what it's these latest criminal complaints are and and what they lead to. How can you allow that trade to go through at this point? Now he, you know, I don't know what how he'll handle this, and I, I, I'm just assuming that Watson, for at the very uh, at the very minimum amount of conduct detrimental, would be suspended for four games to start the season. Zeke Elliott got six, um, but there's there's additional complaints and more criminal complaints. There's a chance he could literally get indicted and face criminal charges, felony charges. How do you look? I'm, I'm with you. I don't, I don't understand how that could happen. Now, Mike Florio, pro football talk, oh tweeted out today what did he say? that, uh, well, he, they tweeted that it's, it's, it's not heating up. Those talks are not heating up. Uh, so they kind of uh, downplayed it on, on pro football talk. Why? Uh, and it could be simply because of legal reasons that have come up. I, I, w- I would think, I mean, I didn't read the Pro Football Talk report, um, and I don't, you know, I, I can't stand Florio, but whatever. Um, he's saying that the that the reports, Tommy, about a, a Watson to Philadelphia trade, which have been described as really heating up, he's saying that they're not? Yes, that's what he's saying. Well, then I the- didn't read the story why. I just noted that he tweeted that out. Well, the reason would be what I would what I just, you know, asked you and and presented, which is how could the league let this trade happen when there's the possibility that Deshaun Watson could end up in jail? Yes. And Florio's a lawyer and he probably looks at it like that and probably has information like that. Uh, but you're right. It does it doesn't make sense on the surface. Now the Eagles are an organization that, you know, are the organization that signed Michael Vick. Mm-hmm. But Michael Vick had already served his set, right. done his time. Uh, I'm not equating, uh, you know, what Michael Vick did and what Deshaun Watson is accused of. I'm just pointing out that this is a franchise in the past that has been willing to take on a, a, a volatile uh, public relations issue. Uh, when it comes to a player in the past. But a lot of people attributed the Michael Vick signing to Andy Reid when he was there uh, who drove that. I'm not so sure if they're in the same frame of mind to do that now in Philadelphia. Well, okay, so that's a good point. 
obviously a different um, organization, same owner. The owner had to sign off on Michael Vick. Uh, Jeffrey Lurie was the owner. Um, I don't remember who the general manager was at the time. It was probably Howie Roseman. I don't, I don't recall necessarily, but Lurie had to sign off on that. Let's, let's, I don't know anything about the Deshaun Watson situation. I'm just saying that it seems to me that if things haven't been resolved completely, that's a hard trade to allow to go through. Um, at the same time, it's probably the best time to roll the dice on a trade if you're like the Eagles because you're, you you have to get them at a discount from where it was four months ago or three months ago or whatever it was. It's got to be at a discount. We were talking about three firsts and one to two key players to land Deshaun Watson in the prime of his career under contract. It would be an unprecedented you know, the, the, the Rodgers situation was nearly unprecedented, but the Watson situation would really be unprecedented. To have a 25-year-old entering his prime, elite-level quarterback, franchise quarterback, under contract, just signed his deal, would be unprecedented, which is why the price tag would have been outrageous. But you could get him now, I would think, at a discount. The Texans obviously want to get rid of him. Um, I, I want to go real quickly to the football thing. If he ended up in the division, eligible, um, and he was the Deshaun Watson that we saw in Houston the last several years, Philadelphia immediately rises to um, the second best team in the division entering this year. Like if he were to be traded for today and enter Philadelphia's training camp tomorrow and not be suspended, um, he makes Philadelphia, you know, right there with Dallas's co-division favorites and Washington drops to third. Don't even debate me on this. Any any of you, you know, shaking your head. They, they would have well, you know, the two Kevin, best quarterbacks Kevin. in the division and it wouldn't even be close. Kevin, he's not Fitzmagic, okay? Let's not go overboard here. If Washington if Washington had Watson when we were talking about this four months ago, Washington would be the second pick in the NFC to win the NFC championship behind Tampa. If Washington had yeah. Rodgers, it would be even closer um, to Tampa. I mean, I had the uh, odds maker from you know Hollywood Casino tell me that it would be Tampa just as, as a slight favorite over Washington. If Washington had traded for Stafford, they'd be one of the top three or four picks to win the NFC Championship. Philadelphia has some good players on their roster. We don't know anything about the coaching staff, you know, Nick Sirianni. Um, But if you add Deshaun Watson, and you can tell me what his record was until you're blue in the face. It doesn't matter to me. You have one of the top five to six, seven quarterbacks, worst case, in the game, entering his prime. They've got some weapons. You know, they added Devontae Smith, even though he was injured a little bit. Apparently, he's going to be fine. Um, And they would be uh, the co-favorites with the Cowboys. But, I mean... You know, A, will it happen? B, if it did happen, how many games would he actually be eligible for this year? So, um, but but it, but long term, if he, if they pulled off that trade and he was able to play after this, all this stuff got resolved, then the Eagles and the Cowboys have the two franchise quarterbacks in the division. Washington still doesn't. So, well, I, I, I talk about its defense all you being, want. I think it'll wind up being nothing to see here. I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think it happens I, – I, I mean, even before you mentioned the Florio thing, I don't think it happens 
now because I think he, his situation's got to get resolved. But it wouldn't surprise me if Philly were super aggressive. I think every team should be super aggressive going after him if he's eligible and cleared to some degree. Now, Washington can't go after him. I mean, I think we all yeah. understand the reasons why they can't have Deshaun Watson in their uniform. I personally would be thrilled to see Deshaun Watson here playing if he were cleared of all of these charges, even though he clearly had an issue. Um, but uh, and, and they were all settled civilly, but I, I don't think that it, it would happen. Um, I don't. Um, but make no mistake, people, if Deshaun Watson was the starting quarterback of the Philadelphia Eagles, Washington's now the third best team in the division not the second or potentially best team in the division. You get you have to they would have the best quarterback in the division, better than Prescott. Uh much better yeah. than Prescott. I would take Watson over yeah. Prescott in, in without even thinking twice about it. Not not in his current state, obviously, but um going, you know, rewinding the clock a few months. How about Max Scherzer um last night? Uh let's talk about that right after these words from a few of our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Nearly 53,000 last night at Dodger Stadium to watch Max Scherzer make his debut um, as a Dodger pitcher, uh, Tommy, and he had, you know, a, a rough start, gave up an early home run um, to Brantley, um, but then ended up with a great night, went seven complete, 109 pitches, struck out 10, including Altuve, three times um, last night. He got a standing ovation, and then he said, and I'm curious about this, and I want to hear your reaction, he went out for a curtain call for what he said was the first time in his career. Um, Kershaw, I guess, pushed him back out there for a curtain call. And he went out there and he said it made it, you know, a memorable night. And that's the first time that's ever happened for me. Are you going to tell me that one of those two no-hitters he threw or one of the, some of the great starts of, of all time in franchise history in D.C., he never went out for a curtain call? Well, if, when you throw a no hitter, you complete the game, so uh, you don't you don't get enough. the curtain. Fair call, enough. You know, been... I find look, I can't I can't speak to all his great starts. I mean, I don't cover the team on a daily basis. I find it difficult to believe at some point when he was taken out of a game, fans didn't stand and cheer 
and wait for him to come out of the dugout. Maybe he chose not to, but I find that just difficult to believe. Me too. I I can't believe that he like in the the the, the night that he threw twenty strikeouts. Right? It was. Um, uh, hold on. That that was like in a May game, I think. Um, I need to look that up now. That's going to frustrate me. Hold on. I'm going to find it for you. Uh, okay. Here it is. 20 strikeout game, May 11th, 2016. Pretty good for Sheehan to come up with May. Um, uh, 20 strikeouts, two of his three. How many? What Did he pitch a complete game? He must have compl- He must have pitched a complete game that night. Whatever. I'll find it. There just has to have been a night where he left the seventh inning after brilliance and was asked to come out for a curtain call or after the eighth inning. There had to be. Yeah, there had to be. I mean, it just it doesn't add up. You know, one of the beat writers should speak up who's been there for the past couple of years and say this is true or this isn't true. Yeah, um, whatever. Uh, he was really good last night. I, I saw um, a lot of people that were upset to see him in a Dodger uniform and, you know, on, on what is clearly, um, you know, a, a an all-star level team and a defending champion and how painful it's going to be to see him pitch potentially in the postseason. Keep in mind that the Dodgers, I think they're still like four games back of the Giants. Like they're going to have to win a wild card game to get into an actual series. They're three and a half back officially. You know, it's plenty of season to go, um, but they're not in first place. It's it's wild. I mean, they've got the second best rec- record in baseball. Actually, Houston does. And, and 53,000 last night, probably they were going to have a big crowd anyway, right? Because, you know, the best team yeah. the American League was in town and a team that they obviously hate uh, as well. But I saw a lot of people um, really upset to see him in a Dodger uniform. Why do you think that is? I don't know. I think it's any uniform. I don't think it's big. I think they'd have been a lot more upset if he'd been in a Phillies uniform or a Mets uniform. So I, I don't get what the reason would be for that. I would think that if he was in a division – it would hurt more. If he's in the league, it hurts a little bit less. If he's over in the American League, then it would hurt a little bit less. So I don't understand the uh, the particular Dodger hatred there. Uh, you know, it is, look, it is sad because, uh, and, uh, you know, I, I, early in the season, I was hoping that they figure out a way to keep Scherzer. I understand why they did it. Uh, but... He is, like I said, next to Alex Ovechkin, during the past 10 years, he's the most identifiable athlete in this town. And he's a once-in-a-generation player. He's Walter Johnson. You know? And look how long the Senators played, and they only had one Walter Johnson. Yeah. I mean, I don't think they're ever going to get another Max Scherzer in our lifetime. The Dodger thing is strange to me. I know that they blew a 2-1 series lead and lost to the Dodgers, you know, in Game 5, but they got revenge. You know, Howie Kendrick provided the revenge on that. And um, and I, I don't, you know, on some level, to be honest with you, I love watching Scherzer pitch, so I want to see him pitch in the postseason. 
I don't know, like the Dodgers are not a rival, you know, it would be much worse for a DC sports fan to see Alex Ovechkin in a Penguins uniform, much worse, you know, it would be much worse even after one season to see Chase Young in a Giants uniform or a Cowboys uniform. Um, I don't know how many other players really on that team right now um, you'd feel so tied to, Um, but I, I, uh, Look, the, the Washington was a seller. You know, the, the really when you just when you think about it, to me, it's still I understand why they did not. You know uh, why they unloaded Scherzer. Now they unloaded Scherzer. Remember, as part of a deal with Trey Turner. So we don't know exactly specifically what part of the compensation was just for Scherzer and how much of it was right. for Trey Turner because Trey Turner is the one with the upside. Um, but, yeah, he's uh, the one young and still under contract through next year. Yeah, but Scherzer's a free agent at the end of the year, and could and could potentially resign and come back here. But I don't know, Tommy. Like you know, I'm not. I like. I I love Northern California, and I spent a lot of time in Northern in Southern California in the '90s. Lot lots of time. And the one thing that you know I can imagine for a guy like Scherzer is you know the no humidity thing in August has to be so lovely. Because um, he pitched in some horrendous weather, which, by the way, he I think he probably enjoyed. He's 37 years old, right? He's 37 years old. Yes. He's still yes. pitching at a very high level. It's very possible he's got another three years left in his career at a high level, don't you think? It's possible. What if it, 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 it's absolutely it's possible? What if it's all uh, with the Dodgers? What if he resigns after pitching them deep into the postseason this year? I don't see them doing that. One thing I don't see the Dodgers. Well, are they going to? Trevor him. Bauer's not coming back, right? Well, I don't know. Okay. I don't know if he's not coming back. I, I don't see the Dodgers investing in Max Scherzer at, after this season is, is, is over. Uh, and I don't know what his options will be. Uh, maybe a team that falls short uh, signs him to a two or a three year deal. Uh, and let me just point out. I don't think the Nationals are necessarily rebuilding. Rizzo doesn't like to rebuild. And, you know, let's face it, a couple of blown saves, and they don't sell anybody, the Nationals. I know. You know, and, and if, if, if Steven Strasburg is healthy, they're not selling anybody. So it really was, it really was like, it was not a total collapse. It was a series of circumstances. And uh, they only have Juan Soto for a couple more years. So I don't think they can afford to screw around next year with the so-called rebuild. I wouldn't be surprised if they jumped into, you know, putting a team on the field that they think next year can compete for the playoffs. Uh, The problem is, and I know you pointed this out, and I've pointed this out as well, is uh, I know the learners took – did not get the revenue that they expected from their World Series uh, championship. I mean, they didn't get the benefit of the big crowds, the big sponsorships, none of that, because there was no season to speak of in 2020 because of COVID. And I pointed out, coupled with that, they're in the commercial real estate business. And right now, that's like being in the newspaper business. <laughs> now, no one, no yeah. one's gonna, no, no one's gonna hold a bake sale for the learners, and I'm sure 
you know, I mean, the, you know, Ted is learner. It's the richest owner in baseball, I think, maybe before Steve Cohen bought the Mets. Uh, but you know how, I mean, rich people, when, when money, when revenues fall, they take it as seriously as poor people do. And I just, I think that the impact probably to the family of their entire business portfolio probably has an impact on what they do with the Nationals. Yeah, I want to just add to that because a lot of people, um, and it's fine. Um, you know, I, I, I guess we talked about it on the uh, on the podcast. I forget now. Actually, two things real quickly. Number one, Zuckerman told me that basically a week before the deadline, they it was a coin flip as to whether or not they were going to be a seller or a buyer, and that the Orioles series in particular really hurt. You know, getting swept by the worst team in the American League was essentially a. Um, you know, it was a, a reality, you know, moment for them. It's like, even if we get healthy, we're really not good enough to right. overcome even average teams in our own division. And then the Strasburg injury being potentially a, a crippling one long-term, um, was, was added to that. But back to, um, the learners, you know, I tweeted out and in part because I had a conversation with somebody who, you know, is, is familiar with sort of how the learners operate. And there's no doubt that COVID played a role in the Turner trade. Now, it's not the only thing. I understand that there's a lot of, you know, uh, Mike Rizzo and, and conversations about, you know, the 300 plus million it would cost to keep Turner and he would get that contract when he was entering his age 30 season. Galdi was on the podcast, talked about the risk in doing that. And I understand that there was a lot that went into that. But um, what also went into it is that, you know, every major league baseball team took, you know, unbelievable losses uh, during the pandemic, but the Nats missed out on what is typical, especially of a first-time World Series winner, which is an, in, it's an unbelievable windfall of new revenue that comes in from not just the increase in ticket sales, but increase in sponsorships and the ability to raise pricing on a lot of different things. And, and that would have made the learners who really do Tommy, to your point, you know, they, they look at every single business as standalone. It doesn't matter what their personal wealth is. They want each business as they have um, throughout their entire life, li- you know, lives to make money. And this one, you know, hasn't made money or anywhere near close to what they thought the money um, would be after the World Series win. And I think it played a role. It wasn't the only thing that that drove them um, to to a decision to trade trade Turner, but it's part of it. If they had had that windfall of cash, they may have said, wow, you know, he's a good player. It might be, you know, maybe we don't trade him at this deadline. Maybe, maybe we let this go and, and, and we, we, you know, we make that decision later. Um, although really you had to make it now, I guess, uh, on Turner, but I don't know, whatever. I was told that it played a role with a lot of other things, but the the loss of that windfall was was is big right now for the organization. Oh yeah, yeah, I'm sure it is. And as far as you know, investing that money in Turner when he's like 30 years old, you know, here's the problem. And I understand part of the problem is Scott Boris, but the learners have to overcome this. Really, you have to start signing these players 
before they come close to free agency. Mm-hmm. You've got to you've got to invest in a Trey Turner two years ago, and in some kind of a long term contract. So when he does turn thirty, you're not spending three hundred million dollars, and they're they're facing the same thing with Juan Soto right now. And I get that you can't force a guy to sign, but I, and, and Boris likes to take his guys to free agency, but. There's always a number that they'll sign for. There's always a number. And I remember for Rendon, there was a number that he would have signed for. Now, Rendon's not doing so good since he left and went to the Angels, but the idea, the premise is still the same. Uh, you don't want to get to that free agency year. You've got to sign these players early. So when they do turn, so you're not faced with the idea, well, we don't want to invest that kind of money when he's 30 years old, you know, when you could have had him under contract for six or seven years, and maybe he'd be 33 when he'd be done uh, a free agent. Uh, so it's easy for me to say that, but uh, we're looking at the same exit for Juan Soto if they don't sign him. Oh, they've got to sign like, him. But they can't let him go to they can't let it okay. go to a, to the final year of his contract. Yeah, because then he's gone. Meantime, um, you know, they lost another one to the Phillies, and you know who's heating up for the Phillies, and he seems to, be, you know, always you know, have good games against the Nats is Bryce Harper. Harper, yeah, uh, I saw that. Harper last night was three for five with two RBIs. I think, you know, his batting average now is well above 300. I think it's close to 310. I'm going to pull it up real quickly right now. Um, it's 306, 11th in batting average. His on-base percentage, I think, is you know top five in baseball, somewhere around there. Um, his on-base percentage is 340. No, I'm sorry. It's uh, his on-base percentage is 417 right now, which is getting um, close to his best year in Philadelphia. You know, there's something about Harper. It takes him a while. The, these are the months where he really comes through. I, I I know that Nats fans probably do, really do care about this. I, I'm a Nats fan too. Um, I actually would like to see what Bryce Harper does in the postseason if Philly gets there. Like I, I I'm I'm a Bryce Harper fan too to a certain degree, and uh, I think he had. I know you think it was all pitching when they lost to the Giants. We had those arguments. We don't need to relitigate that. But Harper was the one guy that really did come up big in that series, the only guy that did anything in that series that year they lost to the Giants. I think Harper's got um, – God, man, t- Tommy, t- help me with this. Harper went from being an MVP to really a second-tier star, right? Isn't he a second-tier star at this point in the big leagues? A no. lot of players are perceived to be a lot better than him. Yeah, but that doesn't necessarily mean he's a second-tier star. You mean a second-tier player? No, I still don't I, agree I think with if that. You, I think he's not an elite superstar in the game. He's not perceived that way. He's second, oh, by the way, in, in on-base percentage behind Soto right now, second. Um, no, I think he's still an elite superstar. You do. And thought of as such, yeah. Hmm. He is right now second in on-base percentage. OPS, he's way down the list. War, he's way down the list. RBI's way down the list. Home runs, way down the list. Batting average, he's climbing the list at 306. He's 11th. Um, he's missed some games too. You know, he's played 
87 games. He misses games for, you know, Knicks and, and Knacks, or as old coach Joe would say, old Bryce, he's got a shoulder. Um, so, you know, a lot of that, you know, factors into to hits, home runs, RBIs, et cetera. But, like, his, his at-bat total is, you know, like 100 less than some of these guys that are at the top top of the list. But um, I, I wouldn't – God, how about a, how about a Dodgers-Phillies playoff series with Scherzer, yeah. Turner, and Harper in it? That would be good. Well, I'll tell not, you what. Not for a lot of people it wouldn't. I'll I tell you what, and I don't think this is argu- arguable. I take Soto over Bryce Harper. I, well, everybody would. Don't yes. you? That that's sort of my point. Yes, is like guys like Soto and Trout and Betts. Mookie Betts, you know, have and all Acuna like, before he got hurt. Yeah, I mean, they're yeah. all they're all they're all way ahead of of Harper now. Tatis, um, they're all uh, uh, way ahead. He he was a he was considered like a top five position player, and now he isn't. I think he's in that next group. Well, if, if you're if you're grouping him by five, no, he's not in the top five. Well, he, you know. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I want to talk about this um, decision by the Washington football team to ban uh, Native American, um, you know, war paint, headdresses, etc., from FedEx Field this year. We'll get to that and a couple of other things to finish up the show right after these words from a few of our sponsors. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at Babbel.com slash BlueWire. That's 60% off at Babbel.com slash BlueWire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash BlueWire. Rules and restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. 
I just want to start this final segment with this because I've got my TV on here in the studio and the um, Stephen A. Max Kellerman show is on and they've got a big headline. The better Carson Wentz replacement, Nick Foles or Phillip Rivers? And, you know, after we talked about it the other day, Phillip Rivers came out with this statement that said, you know, he might be interested in playing again. And I've heard this argument on another show on ESPN, and I forget which one it was. And everybody on the show said Nick Foles. Are oh, my God. The, are, are they insane? Why? Because Philip Rivers hasn't gotten into shape for an NFL season and Foles is in Chicago and playing? I mean, he just played. He played last year. It hasn't been two years. That is, that's, the, that's an answer that I have no – I can't explain it all. It's, it's not even close. If I were a Colts fan and Philip Rivers wanted to come back and start – would I rather have him or Nick Foles? I'd rather have Rivers. Are you kidding me? Of course you would. I, I, yes. Re- by the way, there were moments early in the season in his first year in a new system with Frank Reich. There were games early in that season where he was struggling. I remember they got beat by Cleveland, and he threw like three picks in that game. And then after that, he was lights out the rest of the way, and he was outstanding in that playoff game at Buffalo. They nearly beat the Bills. Uh, that 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 makes no sense to me, and I know I'm a Philip Rivers fan, and I've always been a Philip Rivers fan. Rivers or Foles? Why? Because Foles was the Super Bowl MVP with Reich as the quarterbacks coach and offensive coordinator. Who cares? I, I mean, that I w- was lightning. That was lightning in a bottle. You're not gonna you're not gonna get that again. I would love to know what Frank Reich thinks. Like, you know, they come to him and they say, you know, Ballard comes to him and says, hey, Phil wants to come back, but we can get Foles for a fifth rounder. What do you want? Uh, let's <laughs> let's trade the fifth. No, it would be Phil. Now, the issue with Phil is that Wentz is eventually going to be back. So I don't think he wants to come back and start the season and start four games and then hand it back to Wentz. Although, personally, I think the Colts would be better off with Rivers for a full season than Wentz anyway. But anyway, uh, I want to get to this story about that came out, I think, right after the podcast we did two days ago. Um, the Washington football team is going to ban Native American headdresses and face paint from FedEx Field uh, for home games uh, this year. Um, I, I was looking through Twitter early this morning. I saw a lot of people reaching out to me and saying, this is horrible. This is terrible. Here's my immediate reaction. Look, this is, I don't know how many people this actually addresses, but it's less than a hundred in the stadium, you know, banning native American headdresses and face paint. Truly how many fans really do put native American face paint and wear native American headdresses to Washington football games anymore. I I don't, it's not, we're not talking about, you know, the banning of, of 20% of the potential audience. It's, it's a, it's a minimal number. However, if this is the first step towards banning everything Redskins gear related, you know, jerseys, old, you know, old jerseys, or to somehow try to enforce or ban uh, and then enforce not singing hail to the Redskins after a score. That's going to be this year. That's going to be an interesting uh, battle. The team song. 
Yeah, these are things, to be honest with you, that are almost impossible to even enforce, even if they mention it as a ban. What are they going to do in the opener against the Chargers? Tell the dude with the Riggins jersey to take it off? I, okay, and then, and then what's I, he going to put that's, on? That's, that's, that's not feasible. I don't see them doing that. I don't. There's but no chance the song, they do that. Well, there is a chance, but I don't think they will do that. But I think the song will be a problem because I, I guarantee you, as a pushback, fans will sing that song when their team scores. And how would they loudly. enforce that if they banned that? They how would they enforce that? Yeah. They can't enforce it. No. They can't enforce it. But it will be a slightly embarrassing moment. I mean, in terms of embarrassing moments, it doesn't even make the list for this franchise. But it will be an interesting scene to watch a stadium if there's a lot of Washington football fans in it, when they score, they'll sing "Hail, Hail to the Redskins." They'll sing that song. I don't, I, I, I don't know what's going to happen. Um, by the way, if you're suggesting that that would be embarrassing for fans to do that, I disagree with you. No, um, no, I'm saying it would be embarrassing scene. I mean, for a team that just banned the name to have their fans singing a song that that uses the name, yeah. which Kevin, it's an embarrassing scene. No, it wouldn't be. I don't think it would be embarrassing. Um, then what was the point? Oh, come on. What? Well, what was the point? They just banned uh, the There are a lot of people that don't know what the point was. their entire fan base is singing it at yeah. the top of their lungs. First of all, it would be impossible to enforce. Secondly, I, know I, that. I think a lot of what would have happened last year, you know, within two months of the name being taken away, um, that we never had a chance um, to see or hear, because there weren't fans in the stadium. We're now a year, you know, and three months removed from that. I have a feeling a lot of this isn't going to be an issue. What will be an issue if they want to make it an issue, and again, I don't know how they enforce it other than telling somebody to take their jersey off, there's just too much Redskins gear and apparel that people have owned their whole lives. They're not getting rid of it. You know, they're going know to that. wear their I, favorite I, I, players. Right. They're going to wear Art Monk and Daryl Green and Clinton Portis and Chris Cooley and John Riggins and Sonny Jurgensen's jerseys. They're going to do that. Yes. And you can't stop them from yes. doing that. That's that that's like taking away, you know, uh the the past completely. These are players that they adored and when they adored them they were Washington Redskins. Sorry, but, but that, again, that you're can't, talking about yeah. something that's not going to happen. They're uh, not going to do that. I, I don't think so either, and I don't think they can ban people from singing either. I mean, you can't, you can't no, ban can't, something but, you can't but enforce. But you can't deny that if if you just said to everybody, this name is is an aff- is an affront, and we're not going to use it anymore, and then your entire fan base sings it at the top of their lungs. That's an embarrassing moment. Well, the entire fan base doesn't agree with the, the decision. There's a significant percentage of the fan base that doesn't agree with the decision, and there's a significant percentage that. of Native Americans themselves that don't agree with the decision. I know that. We, we've, we've done this. I, 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 you're, so you're, it's not I embarrassing. Not. Yes, it is. No, it isn't. Why would it be embarrassing? It, it, embarrassing to who? You the people that. the name. Yeah, well, I guess sometimes I just wish that the name had been lost for overwhelmingly obvious reasons that we all agree on. 
um, and we're all on board with, and that's not what happened here, and that's why I don't think those that show up in Daryl Green, Art Monk, and John Riggins jerseys and, you know, attempt to sing uh, the fight song with the old team name in it, I don't think that that's an embarrassing moment for them. I don't. The other thing is uh, about this, and now I, I lost my train of thought, because I can't believe you don't think it would be an embarrassing moment. No. I'm not saying fans should be embarrassed. I understand what fans are doing. Wait a minute. If you're talking about how woke America will push their feelings on some percentage of fans that sing the old fight song and how those fans should be embarrassed for their behavior, yes. That's how that that group out there will react to hearing some percentage, and by the way, I think it'll be a lower percentage than we even think, um, of fans singing you know, the old fight song with the old name after Terry McLaurin pulls in a 35-yard strike from Ryan Fitzpatrick against the Chargers, as they've been doing every day in training camp. Yeah, okay, that's, that's different. Uh, yes, they will, they will print, they will blog, they will talk uh, about how in, uh, what an embarrassing scene it was at FedEx Field. I'm just saying that the fans themselves that sing it won't be embarrassed, and I don't think they should feel embarrassed. You know what? Here's I, I recommend all, all, all Washington football fans if they want to if they want to uh, express themselves, buy a copy of Hail Victory, uh, <laughs> show up at the stadium, and start waving it every time they score a touchdown. Yeah. Wow. That would be a great way to express yourself. I'll tell you what, it doesn't require a a significant investment. You can get that book for about 99 cents on (laughs) Amazon.com. It's Look, the Native American garb, you know, headdresses. and I mean, seriously, I can't. I walked through that parking lot every single Sunday and home game for 12 to 14 years, walking through so many of those tailgate parties on my way to the pregame show, and then so many of them on my way out before the kickoff so I could get home to watch it on TV. No, I stayed occasionally. And I can't tell you that like the the, the actual headdresses, like there were so many of them. There just weren't. No. And, and face no, paint, I mean, if there were If there were a half a dozen, that would be a lot. But if they keep the colors of burgundy and gold, actually a serious question, how do you stop somebody from painting their face burgundy and gold? Yeah, I don't get that. I don't understand how they're going to determine what war, what, what, what fa- Native American face paint is. Right. I don't know. Um I I wanted to um I wanted to mention that this morning before we did the podcast and I did um, make you wait Uh, to start the podcast this morning. I didn't tell you why, but I'm going to tell you why right now. Um, The reason I didn't tell you why um, is that I thought you might be irritated uh, with the reason. Uh, The reason was that I was watching the France-Slovenia Olympic semifinal game, which turned out to be one of the best basketball games I've watched all year. It was phenomenal. Luka Doncic ended up with the first triple-double in Olympic uh, men's basketball since like the mid-70s. He ended up with 18 assists, 10 rebounds, 
<clears throat> and he had, um, I think he had 16 points. He didn't shoot it well. It was a great basketball game with a lot of NBA players on both sides. The winner facing the U.S. in the gold medal game. The U.S. took out Australia earlier. Like that game was played, you know, in the middle of the night. I did not watch that one. But I picked this one up like early third quarter and it was just incredibly intense. And it was a great game. Like the defense was outstanding, but there weren't a lot of turnovers in the game. You had a lot of, you know, Fournier and Batum and Gobert for France and Doncic, you know, who is a star. And man, the defense on him was phenomenal. And yet he turned into an assist machine. Um, it was just a great game with a lot of. You know, a lot of, I think, tense moments. For those that watched it, I bet you felt the same way. And for those that didn't, you probably probably think I was nuts to sit there and watch France and Slovenia play. But it was really a, a great basketball game. So um, the winner was France. They won the game 90-89. to 89, And uh, they get the U.S. in the gold medal game. Remember, France knocked off the U.S., in the first game played in these Olympics in the preliminary group stage round. Uh, so the U.S. gets a chance at revenge, and I think they'll beat the French this go-around. But, um, yeah, this game was incredible. Um, Batum had a block shot, uh, essentially at the buzzer, that sealed the win for France, winning 90-89. to it was, it was a great game. A lot, a lot of tense moments. I think, you know, these other countries take it more seriously than maybe we do um, but I, I really enjoyed that game this morning. Are you done? Yeah, I'm done. Do you mean to tell me that you made me wait to do this podcast? Yeah, I did. It was because too good. Because you wanted to watch a basketball game between France and Slovenia. Yeah, it was really good. I didn't intend on watching it. I flipped it on, and it was on, and it was... And, and you said, this, this is the essential Kevin. This is you. I want to watch this game. I did. You're going to have to wait. I did. I wanted to watch this. It was too good to turn off. It was too good to say, ah, I'll just, I'll, I'll read about it later. I mean, in it's, the, not, it's it, 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 never in there saying, oh, that's okay. He can wait. Well, you know, he was the one who only got up at seven o'clock in the morning to get ready <laughs> for this podcast that we were going to do. I don't think you did An that. hour before. I don't think you did that. Well, I did. Well, I was up much earlier. I don't lie on the podcast, Kevin. Um, I don't lie, period, but I don't lie on the podcast. You said that you, I can't believe. You said that you had something else about Jason Wright before we started the show. What well, is, yes. Uh, this is amazing to me, and I'm sure I'm making a big deal about nothing. Uh, and it's in a story that John Kime did with, with ESPN, uh, Jason Wright had this, story, had this quote about Dan Snyder. Quote, Dan has built his business by being a classic entrepreneur and having the big idea, and here comes the money quote, and then trusting people to execute and build the infrastructure. <laughs> Seriously? How do you have any credibility when you say something like that. We're, we're, I mean, it's not like we got to go back real far to figure out his trust of his people. Which story is you this know? quote in from John? Is it the one about vaccine rates? Uh, Where is it? 
Uh, let me see. What's the headline? The headline is, jeez, uh, I can't find it now. Washington football team CEO, co-CEO Tanya Snyder, active and involved in oh, running yeah, yeah, day-to-day yeah. operations. This is what he said. It's unbelievable. How can you have any credibility? How can you look at Washington football fans and say, I speak the truth when you say something like this? He has zero credibility. Which is par for the course. It's where he works. Dan has built his business by being a classic entrepreneur and having the big idea and then trusting people to execute and build the infrastructure. Tanya is a person of details. She's a person of great instinct for customer experience. Okay, so let me just tell you that uh, I think what... I think if you excluded the trusting people to execute and build the infrastructure, what he was trying to say is Dan is the entrepreneur. And I've talked about this a lot before as well. Dan is the ideas guy. He's not the operator. He's the ideas guy that gets something started. A lot of entrepreneurs are this way. They're really good at starting something, but not great when it becomes a real business in running the business. And that's when they look to either hire, you know, a CEO or a COO or a president, or, you know, they sell it or, or whatever. I do believe that he's probably a big ideas guy and that he he's creative and he has a lot of big ideas. And we've seen some of those, like charging fans for parking at training camp, um, you know, big ideas to generate revenue off of an existing customer base. By the way, the, the easiest business he ever got into was the one that he didn't start, which was his NFL team, which had this incredibly loyal fan base that would pay for anything at the beginning. Um, and, he, and he totally, totally ruined um, that trust. Um, and by the way, that, that revenue stream. But I think what he was trying to say, Dan is a big, you know, ideas person and Tanya is more of an operator, you know, a person of detail, um, great instinct for the customer experience. But yeah, no, he, he, he just got here, Tommy. He doesn't, I think he did enough. That's not, uh, uh, yeah, he should know. He should know. I mean, all you got to do is go back to the Dwayne Haskins draft. That's, that's, we're not talking that far back. You know? He, he has never, you know, trusted people to execute and build the infrastructure, as if to say he came up with the idea and then he hired really good, smart people and let them do their job. No, that, that's not yeah. been Dan Snyder as an owner at all. Yeah. Um, and we all know that. And my sense is that Jason probably has an idea about that as well. But he was trying to sort of express the notion that Dan's the ideas guy, more of an ideas guy, entrepreneur, and Tanya's more of an operator, I guess. You know, a well, I guess, I, guess, I guess sometimes he struggles with words and ideas. <laughs> All right, what else? Anything else? We get football tonight. Uh, I, I will definitely tune in, you know, at the very beginning to see football on television. And then, you know, after the starters take one series and leave, that'll be it. I'll be on to something on Netflix, maybe. Um, everything, by the way, at my rental um, that we are in for a month before we move into our new house, everything is streamed. Everything. Like every TV network is streamed through YouTube. And I'm just sort of getting used to that because it's not normal cable. And I know that probably is, you know, um, what most old people haven't figured out. But fortunately, I have three uh, young uh, youngsters um, around to help. 
the old well, man. Speak for yourself. I, I have figured that out a long time ago, and you'll soon arrive at the problem that when you're streaming sometimes in the middle of a big play, you get that circle spinning around on your screen. Not only that, um, but you get, and I've noticed this before, it's, it's obviously not the first time I've streamed network TV. Um, I, I exaggerated it a little bit, but what you, what you get is you'll get like the, the hitch, you know, in the video where it sort of stutters and a little bit and it's not a smooth delivery. You don't get that with every broadcast, but I've noticed it on the Olympic coverage um, at times because we, we did watch some of the, um, what did we watch last night? Some of the track and field. Oh, I know what I wanted to say. Oh, by the way, so you're the guy watching the Olympics. Uh, I I like the track and field, and I wanted to make one comment about the track and field. This guy at Atto Bolden, you know, the um, analyst uh, that does the Olympic stuff, uh, the track and field stuff, is truly an exceptional analyst and broadcaster. I most of you don't even know who I'm talking about. He's done it for several Olympics because he called and was a part of all of Usain Bolt's big moments in the last few Olympics. He's just an excellent, excellent broadcaster, phenomenal broadcaster, and so good at what he does. He's from Trinidad and Tobago, um, and was a uh, an Olympic athlete himself. He's he's fantastic. Love him. Love listening to him. Uh, are we done That's for the great. day? Let me have. Yeah. No, I got one. Since you brought it up, okay, uh, I'm going to drop this little dime on on everybody. Uh, if you watch Olympic track and field, you need to put rose colored glasses on. Okay, that's fine. To believe, okay, Ben any Johnson, of it. Uh, you know, fine. Any of it. I always I like the track and field is one of the things I like. It's it's different with no Usain Bolt, obviously, um, because Look, he was the big draw. Field. I was on the track and field team in high school. I love track and field. You were? I threw, I threw the shot put. Yeah, you threw discus. the shot put. I remember you telling me that. Yeah. yeah. And discus. Actually, I was a pretty good discus thrower. Okay. Not so much shot put. But uh, I, I, I had an, a, a, a natural ability to spin. <laughs> okay. What would happen if you spun around like that now? You'd have to take a seat, wouldn't you? Oh, Absolutely. Seat, you'd have to get have to dial nine one one. Yeah, um, hopefully not. Uh, all right. Uh, thank you for um, being patient this morning as I watched France beat Slovenia, uh, and it, you know they're getting ready, of course, now to face the U.S. in the gold medal game. Um, Tommy, thanks. Uh, have a great weekend. I don't know about the rest of the week in terms of podcasts. Technically, I'm on vacation. I'm going to try to get one more in um, before the end of the weekend, uh, and we'll definitely do something if there's big news. Uh, But uh, take care. Have a great day.
sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.